Are you ready? Not really, but I'm doing it. I think it's going to be good. I hope it's going to be good. It better be good. It better be good or we're going to probably be fired. I, I need a new job. Yeah. Maybe. No, I, I've been here a while. You'll be yeah. here a while. I'm the one who's only been here for a few minutes. That's right. I'll, I've been here for like a year. That's Well, a year's not... No, that's not much here. People have been here for like 30 years. 30 too. years. They love it here. You're going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble. We it's not to, good. We have to do a good job. We better do this. a good job. Okay. All right. Let's introduce it. You, you get started. Okay. My name is Dahlia Thornton. I'm Jesse Burney, and welcome to the first episode of About That Afts Me Life. It is our first podcast, and we're super excited. We want to bring you some really cool stories about our members across the country. We want to give you some information that you can use. And we want to tell you about some benefits that you may not even know you have as members. Uh, our first episode, we're going to be focusing on healthcare because it's been in the news a, a whole lot lately. So you, you may have heard about this. Um, there's a recent failure by President Trump in Congress to replace the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, also called Obamacare. And, and whether you liked the Affordable Care Act or not, because some of our members love it, some of our members are, aren't as big fans, uh, the reality is it provides some real benefits um, even if you have excellent health insurance, which of course uh, uh, many of our members do. And you know, I, I take a lot of pride in that, Jesse. I'm a negotiator for the union, and we have really worked hard to negotiate some really strong benefits for folks. Um, we have some really great health benefits. You all have done a fantastic job of prioritizing that over the year. So for a lot of our members, we already have really strong insurance. But one of the things that um, is really exciting about the ACA is that it also gave us some other benefits that maybe we hadn't negotiated. For example, uh, both Dolly and I have, have kids, and when we take our kids to the doctor, uh, we don't have to pay copays for their well care visits. Any kind of preventative medicine, you don't have to pay copays for. And this was a really big uh, benefit that we saw was that there are no more denials of pre existing condition. So for anyone in your family who, who needs to buy individual insurance, if they had any pre-existing condition, they can't be denied based on that pre-existing condition, which is something that insurance companies used to do all the time. Absolutely. It helps to keep their costs down while bringing our costs up. And you know, the, one of the other big things that we've seen a lot of our members, even if you've got great insurance benefit from, is being able to keep our own kids on our insurance through the age of 26 rather than having to boot them off earlier. The ACA has, has that and a, and a whole lot of, of other benefits. One other thing that the Affordable Care Act did was expand Medicaid. And if you know how state budgets work, uh, the federal government pays about half of Medicaid costs. So when they expanded Medicaid, it dumped a whole lot of new federal dollars into state budgets. Let's be clear, even though the attempt to replace the ACA failed this time, they're still coming after this Medicaid expansion. And they're going to keep trying to attack Medicaid, uh, even if they do it in a different way. They're going to try to change how Medicaid works. And what that means is you're going to see fewer federal dollars in state budgets. And that's going to affect all of our ASME members. And we could see these budget cuts across the board. That might mean less staffing, less resources generally. Really just makes our job a whole lot harder to do. Yeah, we can't serve the communities that, that we serve every single day. And of course, it also affects uh, a lot of our, our workers who, who work in the healthcare field. Absolutely. We have nurses, home care providers, mental health providers, just to name a few. And they see firsthand the difference that Medicaid expansion and more generally the ACA has made in the lives of people that they serve. Uh, one of our members, Patricia Bird, uh, she was a healthcare worker who, who provided home care services to seniors. And so she kind of saw the, the healthcare issue from, from both sides. And she filmed a video for us where she talked about what the ACA meant to her. I'd like you to listen to that video. 
I'm telling my story because my heart hurts. I retired in 2007. Before that, I worked for the Department of Elder Affairs. I knew I wanted to be a social worker. I knew that my whole life because I love people, because I wanted to be able to help people. And I wanted to be able to sleep at night, knowing that I had done the very best I could for my fellow mankind. Why does Congress want to take away health care? I don't have a clue. Everyone has someone in their life that has a pre-existing condition. And insurance companies go down to the, to the littlest thing. We have a son that is um, 52 years old, and at age 19, he had a non-malignant brain tumor, and for 31 years, he had no health insurance. When the Affordable Care Act came along, he was able to get affordable health care. He was able to go to the doctor, and that means so much to us that for 31 years, we were worried about our child. We would have done everything had he had a catastrophic illness. We would have done everything. We would have given up everything for our child. But to have this burden taken off of you is, it's indescribable. If Congress decided to take away our Affordable Care Act, I see that my son will not be one of the ones that's covered. Real people are going to suffer. My story is not unique. My story is everyone's story. Everybody has something and stands to lose. It is amazing some of the work that our members do in healthcare. Like Lakeisha Dumas, she's a certified recovery mentor from Council 75 in Oregon. I've been a certified recovery mentor for about four years. I am a recovering addict, um, so in the beginning I had to navigate all these systems. And so it sounds like, you know, that's what got you there. What keeps you doing this kind of work? Somebody reached out to me, so I got to continue to help others. If I can, you know, sometimes it's just minor, minor barriers and challenges that can be overcame. Navigating the health system is frustrating for some people. So if you have somebody walking with you, walking with you and helping you through it, more than likely you'll accomplish some things. Can we dig a little bit into, um, you know, you mentioned signing up for health care was really a challenge. Have, have you seen any changes since um, the Affordable Care Act kind of came into play? Yeah a lot different. It's, it's a real push to get people signed up. You know, um, I work with people who who might have had a PV and went into jail, so when they go into jail, their insurance is cut off, so they have to start all over again. What would happen, in your, in your opinion, in the work that you do, if we pushed a button tomorrow and the Affordable Care Act went away? Oh, it would be a nightmare. Really? How so? It, w it wouldn't be people getting into treatment. It wouldn't be people um, getting to get the therapy they need or just the different resources. What getting is the doctor getting their medications. Like, they can't afford that. What happens when people don't have the access to the treatment they need? They end up in the emergency rooms or, mm -hmm. you know, costing the system a whole lot more. 
how would it really affect the day to day if the the pipeline was cut off in terms of actual policies and and um, financially? What would that actually look like? Armageddon. <laughs> it, yeah. It'd be terrible because I work for the county. We work with the uninsured, undocumented populations, so mm -hmm. uh, most of them depend on like our funding through Medicaid. So many of them are Medicaid funded. That was a you know a big piece of the Affordable Care Act. Obviously, was expanding Medicaid. So I know that that is something that's on the forefront of a lot of our providers' minds. Is if Medicaid is uh, if it shrinks that a lot of people who need these services are going to be cut off from them. Do you think that that would be the case for the clients that you serve? Oh, definitely. Probably be a 40% reduction in the people we could help. Wow. And what happens to that 40%? Where do they go? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> I hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. One thing we're going to be talking about every episode is free stuff. I love free stuff. I love free stuff. Free stuff that actually is useful, though. And there's nothing more useful than a college education. Absolutely. So we heard you. We heard you ask me members when you said, I want to go to college, but it is too damn expensive. So we're giving you a college education for free. Through a partnership that we have with Eastern Gateway University, we are offering a two-year degree for all AFSME members, their family members, even grandkids, children, spouses, any dependents that you have, free two-year degree. And this is an online degree, so you can do it in your own time, at your own pace. Uh, you don't have to worry about fitting in classes. You don't have to worry about getting to, to class on time. This is for you to do as you need to do it. You don't have to try to figure out childcare, put your kids to sleep, and get on the computer. So to find out more uh, about the degrees that are offered and how to sign up, go to freecollege.afsme.org. Every episode, we're gonna be talking to a union thug, one of your sisters and brothers in AFSCME who will make you proud. Since we're talking about healthcare, we thought we'd go straight to the source and talk to one of our union nurses. Today, we're talking to Susan Rowe out of Iowa Council 61. Well, I work for the state of Iowa um, through DHS. I work at a place called Woodward Resource Center, and I've been here for a right about 15 years. And what we do is um, we are a training facility uh, for individuals that have intellectual disabilities, and um, that can be from anything medical and um, all the way up to a lot of behavioral issues as well. And so I am the primary nurse for two uh, of the houses here. So I have uh, about 24 people in my caseload, and um, and it's a lot of psych nursing, but also a lot of medical things as well. Have you seen, Susan, have you seen any changes from um, previous to when the Affordable Care Act came into play to what things look like today for your clients? You know, I see and talk to people all the time uh, with the staff that work here and their families that uh, the Affordable Care Act has uh, made a huge difference for. Um, and myself included, uh, I have four sons. My oldest son just turned 28, 
and because of the Affordable Care Act, he was able to stay insured until um, until the end of the year that he turned 26. And so one of the other changes they've talked about making is just general cuts to Medicaid, both by repealing the Affordable Care Act and just by changing the way Medicaid works. So if they changed Medicaid to, to make cuts to it, would, would that have an impact on your patients? Oh, my goodness, yes. And Iowa right now is actually going through that. Uh, they outsourced our uh, Medicaid system last year. And so we are having... As I said before, our facility is a training facility, and what we're actually training our people to do is to be able to succeed in the community. And so because of what they've done to our Medicaid system in Iowa, a lot of the community facilities uh, that would have, like, group homes in the community, they are shutting down their group homes because they're not getting paid. So, Susan, you're you're in Iowa right now, and you all are really in a hotbed of um, political turmoil in a lot of ways. Tell me about what's going on with um, Branstead, who's your governor, and uh, the executive order that came down uh, last month, I believe. We knew that we were going to be in for a pretty big fight. There was talk and rumor that they were going to be changing our our Chapter 20 bill, because we're a right-to-work state, but we had a very good, uh, a very good collective bargaining bill uh, law, and it's been, it was actually first made a law in 1974, and uh, Governor Ray, who was a Republican, was the one that signed that that bill into law because he felt it was very important and and it had bipartisan support. They completely gutted our our law, um, making it. So um, it, they first brought out the bill, um, and one week later, it was passed through the House and the Senate. Um, they brought the bills out simultaneously in the House and the Senate and just, you know, rushed through to get them passed. Um, our senators and, and representatives in office right now, they fought very, very hard. We... Um, I myself went and spoke at the Senate hearing and the House hearing um, talking about our story. They took away everything um, that we could bargain for except for base wage. Mm -hmm. So essentially, um, right now, our law is gutted. We have, we have um, nothing that we had before. We, that we cannot bargain for insurance. We cannot bargain for our vacation time, sick leave, that any benefits. The only thing is base wage. So they took away our dues deductions. So right now, um, Iowa Ask Me Council 61 is in a huge forward motion. We're trying to get to all of our members uh, before our current contract expires on June 30th. And get them all signed over so that their dues will come right out of their checking accounts instead of their paycheck. And um, we are continuing to fight, go to town hall meetings and uh, anywhere that our uh, senators and representatives are and ask them the hard questions of why they um, decided that it was important to them to destroy 184,000 public employees' lives. The interesting thing about Iowa is in spite of the fact that you all have been right to work, 
um, the council continued to grow. And I think part of the reason that the council continued to grow is that you all were really successful in having conversations with people and explaining to them the value of the union. Did you have any role in that? Did you um, have any one-on-one -on -one conversations? Oh, yes. I, I have been, I've been very active. Um, I've actually been a union member for just about 13 years. Um, in Iowa, uh, it's very rare for a nurse to even be able to be in a union. The only places that are unionized is if you're a public employee, essentially, for mm -hmm. nurses. And so um, when I was able to actually join a union, I was thrilled, and it was very important to me um, to be active. Uh, when I first came to Woodward Resource Center, they were very good about um, fighting for the, the, you know, the staff, the floor staff, but the smaller departments like the nursing department, maintenance, dietary, um, those type of departments, they didn't mm -hmm. really have that much uh, union support because there weren't active people in those departments. And, you know, after a little while of hearing, well, that's how we've always done it, I decided, you know what? <laughs> That might be how we've always done it, but now we're, we need to follow the union contract. And these people's, um, you know, contracted benefits are not being followed. And so um, I became a steward. Um, I've been vice president, president of my local for um, three terms. I'm on the executive board of Council 61 now. I went through the Women's Leadership Academy through ASME, and it was a wonderful program. I live the union. I do it every day. Everybody that I meet, I talk to about the union and about what they've given to us. And every single time we lose and don't gain it back, you know, that's something that our grandkids won't have. Every episode, we want to bring you some fun facts about the movement. Since March is Women's History Month, our focus is on our role as women in the movement. For example, did you know the very first women's labor organization was founded all the way back in 1869 by a group of shoe stitchers? They called themselves the Daughters of St. Crispin. And did you know that the International Lady Garment Worker Strike of 1937 featured women wearing corsets on the picket line? I wonder if that'd be more or less comfortable than sandwich boards. And of course, women have been in AFSCME leadership since the very beginning. Irma Hochstein was part of the leadership of the first convention in 1935. She was a librarian. She was. That's cool. Very cool. It's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. That's it. That wraps up our first episode of About This Ask Me Life. No, I got the name wrong again. It's of course about... you got the name wrong. You always get the name wrong. Well, it's your fault. You named the thing. I did name it, and I actually can't say it either, so that's why I keep making you do it. That's it for the final episode of About That Ask Me Life. That's exactly right. I gotta tell you, this is way harder than I thought it was gonna be. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. It is fun, and it is totally worth it if you all enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I hope we get to hear from you soon uh, about ways that we can improve it and things you'd like to hear. You can email us at podcast at askme.org, and be sure to visit our website at askme.org slash podcast to learn more about the members you heard from today. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.